0: Therefore, since we are s- surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that cleansed so closely. Let us run with persevere- perseverance the race that is set for us. Looking at to Jesus, the p- pioneer per perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of joy, was set before him, endured the cross, this scurring shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him, consider him who endured such a holy against himself from the sin. So that you may not grow weary or lose your heart in, a, in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees.
1: And all the people said, Amen.
2: You are light, you are light, you are love, you are love, you are here, you are here to live God's dream, to live
1: God's dream,
2: we are called, we are
1: called, to live
2: our purpose,
1: to live our purpose,
2: In the world, in the world, in the
1: world,
2: in the
1: world. I had my opportunity when I was quite a bit younger to serve a very large church as youth pastor and also um, co sharing the preaching. And uh, it was in Mitchell, South Dakota. And it was a great church, but they were very tense in worship. They were very much perfectionists. And some of the reason for that is they had a radio broadcast. And so they always wanted to get, you know, this radio broadcast It was on there. So everybody's kind of afraid of what they said and making mistakes and all this. And so everybody was tense. We used to have a great children's uh, program. Like 50, 60 kids would come up and sing, you know, in the children's message time. And they did just a perfect job. They were all just perfectly straight, and they sang, and that's what we wanted, right? It seemed like in that church, that's what they wanted. We always thought it was a success if some kid didn't step out, you know, and be a kid, didn't say something, right? And, and let me tell you, I think it got to be kind of a problem for us, because we were so concerned about being perfect, about looking good, that our, our kids couldn't even be kids. And so we got a new pastor, a new uh, senior pastor, and he noticed right away how tight everybody was in worship. And so he decided to do something about it. So all of a sudden, he started inventing mistakes to make during worship. (laughs) He'd forget his bulletin and walk all the way back and grab one and walk all the way back in. He'd tell me, you know, we wore these robes, and we had, you know, ties on them, and he said, oh, forget one one, day, one Sunday, Brooke, and then go into your office and go get it and come back. You could even keep your microphone on and talk while we're going, and so we, we invented all these kind of just on-purpose mistakes, and guess what? It started to work. People laughed about it. People enjoyed it. Kids started being kids again, and, and just when we got up to sing, sometimes a kid would do something out of, out of character for the whole group, and we all just laughed. It became kind of um, some way we could be authentic again and fully human. We aren't meant to be perfect in that way, are we? Where we just can't be who we are, fully human. A um, church needs to be a safe place of grace, Uh, where people are brave enough to share their humanness, the ways in which they fall short and miss the mark. Um, I know in our culture, we live in an outside culture where, look, mistakes aren't particularly um, lifted up. We live in workplaces where mistakes are... We want to be mistake-free, and we're called to be that out in that world here. But this is a different culture. This is a church culture. It's a cult- culture where we can be messy. In fact, sometimes it's okay to be messy. It's, it should be, we need to give people permission of this. You know, I was thinking about um, some of the people we idolize in our world, um, And I get it. We need idols, right? People that we really look up to. I mean, sports figures, for instance. Julio for the Mariners. You know, who can't love Julio, right? I mean, but Cheaper's the guy, is amazing. I mean, he had a fantastic year last year, and they still think he should have been better. If you have listened to the, the sportscasters, if he wouldn't have had a down month, he would have been so much better. Or or how about Devin Witherspoon? You know, we lift him up from the Seahawks. Or, or Jesus Ferrero? is that right? From the Major League Soccer group there, if you're a soccer fan. Or, and if you watch women's sports, basketball, Caitlin Clark from the University of Iowa. I mean, that, that gal, can. she's amazing, right? And so we lift those folks up. I mean, there's such exceptional talents, and they're amazing to watch, but for me, we can't all be that in our lives, you know? Um, For me, I like to lift up folks that I can kind of relate to, and and so I want to lift up some other sports stars that I really relate to. Uh, A player like Shane Merrigan. Shane played on my seventh grade uh, football team, and he was really fast. And he busted one out and he was ready to run for a touchdown. But on the way, his pants fell down all the way to his knees. You know, his ankles, he pulled them up and he kept going, he kept going, he kept going. He got about to the 15 yard line and sure enough, they fell down again. And this time he tripped over him and he fell. <laughs> I remember at halftime, his, his dad was the coach and he said, Could somebody help Shane tie his pants this time so he doesn't kill himself? <laughs> I, I love that guy. Um, And also think about a 5th grade flute player I had when I was teaching music. Um, First year I was teaching band this, we had our first 5th grade concert. You know, the first time they got their instruments out and they were playing. And I thought they just did a fantastic job. You know, what 5th grade uh, music teacher wouldn't say they did. And so I was giving them this speech afterwards. Way to go, way to go. Oh my gosh, that was a beautiful concert. And this little 5th grade flute player just kept crying. She was just bawling her eyes out. And I said, what is going on? What's wrong? And she said, well, it couldn't have been that good. My music was upside down the whole time. (laughs) I just noticed, she said. (sighs) These are the people I want on my team in my life. Uh, People who are still running the race, still trying as hard as they can, but who understand what it's like be human, and and can admit defeat at times, and admit they've made a mistake. Let's face it, folks, we live in a world that is less and less tolerant of humanness. We live in a society that is constantly counting, constantly counting, and they're keeping score on us, and here's where I think we are at our worst in our society a society that can't wait to pounce on people who've made mistakes for their weaknesses. And add to that an incredible obsession that we have with social media, and you start having a culture where there are no chances to goof up. Um, A society that remembers every mistake we make In a society that not only relishes in it, but shows that mistake to the whole world sometimes. And when they do, I don't know if you noticed the Stanley Cup, you know, everybody. So by the way, our our piano player last week, she was only 12 years old, by the way. She didn't want me to tell you that, but I'm telling you that now. She was 12 years old. Um, and she, Cindy and I were there when she was practicing, and we were talking to her, and Cindy noticed she had a Stanley Cup. Do you know that these these Stanley Cups are the big thing for middle schoolers, right? And she had a pink one, and it was all blinged out. Huge, by the way. I didn't know she could lift it, (laughs) and and Cindy said, oh, you've got a Stanley Cup, and oh, was she proud of that Stanley Cup, right? But there's some controversy about Stanley Cups. There's a few things. There's some lead in between the the linings, which is which are in every one of those metal cups, but anyway, somebody posted mold inside one, and uh, guess how many clips were on there? I mean, they got one one million two hundred thousand hits on that just because there was mold inside the cup. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but we we become a society that doesn't really believe in second chances, and because of that, there is no room. For all of those who are left out there and who have messy lives. People like you and me. Cindy and I watched a documentary this week, beautiful documentary. Um, and it, I, I thought of Will on this too, but I also myself. It was about a repair shop for the L.A. school um, uh, public schools for their band instruments. And I thought, what are we watching this for? But it was a beautiful documentary. And we're going to show just a couple of clips. And, and just listen to the humanness of these folks. I think we're going to show three different ones.
0: Of love the violin. The hardest things in my life is probably my family's health. Everybody's always getting sick back to back. They're like, oh, we have to go to the hospital for them and stuff like wait um i'll hear you play in a minute i just have to get these medicine for them you know i can understand but it's like it's like okay like i guess i'll play by myself if i'd
3: if you told me five years ago that like oh i'd be playing susan i'd be like damn (laughs) I think, I think you're lying to me, bro, because that's not, that's not it. <laughs> I don't know how to play anything. Because I could never have at that age an instrument that expensive. Like, in my home, in my neighborhood, I could, we, couldn't, we could never afford it, in my opinion. I used to beg my mom and my, my dad, I used to beg them to buy me one. And they're always telling me the same thing. Me decían, hola tuba o tú. Which means either a tuba or a you in the house. And I'm just like, oh. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that's not an option. But luckily, I had a Sousaphone at home from school. I was 13, 13 14. It's emotional because, like, when you think about it, like, right now, 18, fresh out of high school, going to college, barely starting life. And I'm going to find a way to somehow make music my career, my passion, my, my living. Without the tubas at school and the ones at school, like, you never know, honestly.
0: I have a big jar. I call it the treasure jar. And it's all the stuff I have found inside the instruments. Batteries, marbles, candies. Pencils, erasers, this little toy, it's a tiny about he's big, and it's all hairy. It's like secret communication between that kid and myself. What kind of story that instrument can tell me if he can talk to me?
1: Aren't those uh, just so beautiful stories? And you can just see the humanity, Right. Wouldn't it be great if we could feel free enough to be that way here and and with each other? Um, None of those folks are perfect. Um, I just love all the tuba, the stuff in the the instruments, because I remember when I was a band director, I cleaned out a tuba one time. Oh, my gosh, that was crazy. There was more stuff in that thing. Anyway, each of them, though, are incredible and, and sacred gifts from God, but not that great, you know? They're great, but not that great, right? And and I love them for that. Um, Is there room in our crazy culture for folks like regular folks anymore? Is there room here at Bear Creek for, for folks like that? One of the things I love about Jesus is that he not only loves children, but he calls us to come to God as a child. In fact, he just doesn't call us. He says, you're not going to get there unless you come with the heart and the mind of a child. I've thought about that. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that God is asking us to come to God before all the counting has been bombarding our souls, you know? That God wants us to know a time in our lives that we aren't having to tuck in our tummies, right? And have to wear the right brand of clothes. And carry just the right brand of water. (laughs) Um, God wants us to know a time when that stuff doesn't matter and never did. To know a time when we can all just run and sit on the lap of Jesus. And just be and know and matter. And know that we matter. And that we're loved. And the problem, and I see this. In our culture, and you kids and and, and parents, you know it. Our culture starts counting earlier and earlier and earlier every year. You know, kids can't be kids. I mean, they've got to have a a purpose, you know, they've got to have a career already, you know. I went to college in years when we didn't even have to know what we were doing when we got to college. In fact, we were encouraged not to. We were encouraged to take two years and just explore, get to know things and figure things out and that's why I took pottery 101, you know? I did. I took pottery 101 and I just loved the exploration of that I was absolutely horrible at it, but I was very proud of what I made. And I remember I took all my stuff for the final. We had to put them all on a table, right? So I put all my wonderful pottery things on a table. And uh, the professor was Mr. Kudlachik. He was this old guy with a beard. He kind of looked like Daniel Cottrell, if you remember him from uh, Camp Unity Eastside. Great big long beard. And he had a pipe. You know, back in the day, you could smoke anywhere you wanted, so he he had a pipe, and he would walk around the room very, you know, sophisticated, and, and he'd walk, and he'd be looking at all of our stuff, and he paused at my table, and he said, Primitive, McBride, primitive. (laughs) And that's all he said. (laughs) That's all he said. Now, what he didn't know is the best bowl there I gave to my mother, and she's 93 and she's got it right by her bedside. She still uses that baby for her false teeth. But anyway. (laughs) Hey, she loves me. I'm just saying that we were encouraged to explore a little bit. I don't know. Is there time now for our children to have some time to explore in this world? Um, Nowadays kids as young as five and six are constantly bombarded with questions about careers already. You know? About what they're going to do when they grow up. Grow up? Come on. Let's let them be kids. Let's let them be kids. It's really good that a Is it really good, for instance, that a 10-year-old already knows what they're going to do when they graduate from college? I'm not sure it is. Is it good that we're already making kids choose one sport to specialize in second grade? That is nuts. It's nuts, in my opinion. You can argue with me. But it's just the pressure on our kids to be or do something, elite, it has to be elite, I think sometimes puts way too much pressure on them. Today we've been looking at this movie and musical called Leo. We haven't seen any clips from it, but I'm going to show you. We're going to watch one now. It's about a lizard named Leo, and he's played by Adam Sandler. And you know Adam Sandler. He's a perfectionist, maybe not. <laughs> but, and the lizard can talk selectively. And he gets to go home with kids, and he becomes kind of this wise old grandparent with them. And one of my favorite scenes, he's talking to a girl who's living this postmodern world, this pressure cooker life, where she feels like she just has to be great at everything. Great, 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 great. Well, let's listen to what Leo says.
4: So you only talk to me because I'm special.
1: I joke.
4: That makes sense. But can you at least do tricks at the party? Can you rap and, like, play the piano with your tongue or something? Nah, this is just between us. I'm talking to you to give advice. I don't need advice. I'm awesome. Nah, you're miserable. Wait, what? Just like Emma Lawrence in 03, Nina Myers in 55. All pretty, all rich, all bright. So? Not done. All snotty, all secretly hated. People were jealous. Not of the snottiness. Look, people don't realize the pressure someone like me is under. My family is so amazing, so I have a lot more to live up to. I have to get into the best middle school and have the best party. And yeah, only the best people around me. No, you don't. Uh, You don't get what being awesome's like. But you're not. I'm what? Brace yourself. Not that great. I know you guys are proud, but your house is kind of loud, and your dad's a middleweight. Your family's not that great. A middleweight? He's the face in all these flyers. Did you live in Fort Myers. All our countertops are courts. He gets paid to burn our ports. Mom, so looks like Britney Spears. If you had six or seven beers, I don't mean to great. <laughs> We're not that great. You're great, but no one's that great. We're all just people and lizards. If you can take a step back, See yourself for what you are. You'll find that you're an even brighter star. So then I'm not that great. There you go. But I can feel that weight.
0: Coming off like heavy gear. After 11 stressful
4: years. To my fellow average peers. I can finally relate. I
2: beg you all to, to be, be not, not that great.
1: So, can you say that? Let's say it together. I'm not that great. I'm not that great. It feels better, doesn't it? It feels better, you know? There's not so much pressure on us, right? That's what I think our church needs to be a place where lizards like Leo can come. And uh, give advice, like, you're not that great, but you're cool, you know, uh, to folks around us. So we don't feel so pressured. And we can be everybody who God wants us to be, not what everybody out there needs us to be. And that's huge in my book. So one of my favorite authors is Mike Iaconelli. He was a youth pastor in his day. And he wrote a wonderful book called Messy Spirituality. And I'm just going to read a quote here to end. Pretending, he said, and that's what happens, right? When we have to be great all the time, when we have to be on all the time, what do we do? We put it on. We put it on. Um, Pretending is the grease of modern non-relationships. Pretending perpetuates the illusion of relationships by connecting us on the basis of who we aren't people who pretend have pretend relationships but being real is a synonym for messy spirituality because when we are real our messiness is there for everybody to see some people consider the use of words like messy spirituality rude and audacious how dare you suggest that people are messy what are you proposing are you suggesting that sin is okay and we should condone less than a hundred percent effort to serve God. You're too negative, they say. It's not helpful to emphasize our flaws. But the truth is, we are who we are. Mess, a mess. We are sometimes. None of us is who we appear to be. We all have secrets, we all have issues, we all struggle from time to time. No one is perfect, not one. And that's what Romans tells us in chapter 3. That's what this cha- chapter in Hebrews talks about. We all fall short. The essence of messy spirituality is the refusal to pretend, to lie, or to allow others to believe we're something we're not. Unfortunately, people can handle the most difficult is- issues more easily than they can handle the lack of pretending. When you and I stop pretending, we expose the pretending of everyone else. The bubble of the perfect Christian life is burst. And we all must face the reality of our brokenness. That's the hardest thing about worship. It's not getting the scripture right. It's bringing you. You and all the mess of who you are to this place, to this river where God is waiting to embrace you and help you to know that even in the mess you are in, you are still loved. We need to come. Will and Vivek are going to share now. Just as we are.
2: from one... Face. Oh, wonder, come oh, You're not too far. Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. I went to a high school that was incredibly pressured. Every kid had to know exactly what they were gonna do, what SAT score they were gonna get as soon as they walked in the door. There was no grace for anything or anyone. Those of you who are parents and grandparents in this room, I never want you to have to go through that with your grandkids or kids. Because there's so much more space, there's so much more grace for all of us in this world the invitation to come and be as we are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who stray. Come be in communion, come see the grace. There's rest for the weary, a rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that cannot be healed. Earth has no sorrow that cannot be healed.
1: out, grab a hand around your table if there's one or